Hey everybody, Tom Salemi here. Welcome back. You are listening to the MedTech Talk podcast and I am very happy to have you here. Also very happy to be talking with our guest today. Our guest is Mike Berman. Mike is a uh, terrific MedTech entrepreneur. He's had great success with companies like Velocimed. Uh, he also had previously worked at uh, a larger MedTech company, worked at Boston Scientific. But uh, now he's uh, he's sort of out there still doing entrepreneurship, still looking for new opportunities. As he said, uh, he's a crappy golfer, and this is uh, this is what he wants to do. He loves the process of learning about clinical problems and working with physicians and creating solutions. So it's great to have folks like Mike in MedTech. Great to get his perspective on where we are in MedTech innovation. And uh, we'll talk a bit about what he's doing in the U.S., what he's doing outside the U.S., and what sort of advice he gives to uh, young folks who are looking to MedTech as a potential career. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Mike Berman on the MedTech Talk podcast. Well, Mike, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. So we want to get into what's driving successful entrepreneurs and investors to remain in MedTech, but I, I do want to get into what you're currently doing right now. You're not operating anymore. You're, you're investing. Uh, what sort of companies are you looking to in, in invest with and invest in? And uh, you're also working with RiverVest. What's your connection with the venture fund? So I'm a, a part-time venture partner with RiverVest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the last 15 years since leaving Boston Scientific, I've been an investor and entrepreneur. Uh, so I have co-founded eight uh, medical companies. And then I've invested and joined the boards of a bunch of others. And as of today, I'm on the boards of 10 uh, well, some early stage, some later stage, but 10 early medical uh, companies. And I split my time between them along with the uh, relationship that I have with RiverVest. You have a great perspective on innovation in medtech. Uh, what is your assessment of the companies being created today? Well, there's the full array. I mean, I- innovation is irrepressible. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't really matter uh, to the entrepreneur uh, all the failures and all the challenges that are out there. If there's a mountain out there, there's always going to be a mountain climber who wants to climb it, regardless of how dangerous it is. Uh, so I see that today in the med tech environment where there's uh, just a broad array of innovation from physicians, from entrepreneurs, scientists, engineers. Uh, you know, there, there's the, the, the full uh, palette of innovation remains out there. What has changed, I think, is that the appetite of investors has changed. So the, uh, the firms that get financed and get properly financed has morphed over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I see a lot more uh, uh, interest on the part of investors to shift away from some of the big PMA projects unless they are very large, well-heeled venture capitals who, who can you know, carry something from the beginning to the end. And I see a lot more money going into later stage deals uh, on the part of venture capitalists and uh, kind of a need to be able to see a path towards liquidity that maybe 10 or 15 years ago they were willing to take risks on and say, you know, five years from now we'll be able to see that path, but we don't have to see that path right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's so it's really more of a change in the appetite of investors than the, I've seen than, than in the attitude of uh, innovators. So does that, the investor interest, does it, does it tamp down on innovation and entrepreneurs? Are they being, I guess, forced to dream a little less and to, and to, to aim a little lower? I think by definition, that's what happens. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, uh, what did the, uh, Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until I punch him in the nose. <laughs> and, and you see the same thing happen where entrepreneurs and innovators, you know, they have a dream of solving some important clinical problem. 
And when they get out there and the financial community punches them in the nose, then yeah. they adapt and adjust and, uh, and so forth. Now, I'm not trying to say that there's no uh, fundamental, important, you know, long-term dreaming kinds of innovation going on. There still is. There's plenty of it. Uh, but it's a little bit more selective, uh, and there are fewer sources of financing to finance those kinds of big dream kinds of projects. So that, um, I mean, it's, it's understandable, and it's, it's life. We have to, you know, deal with the, the cards we're dealt, or play the cards we're dealt. But uh, it's, it, it, it's sad that sort of the, the, the pie-in-the-sky deals or, or the pie-in-the-sky entrepreneurs maybe are being discouraged from, from reaching as high as they, they might be. Uh, yeah, that's what the yeah. current environment, unfortunately, is. Uh, that's the signal that is being sent. Now, there are new interesting pockets of f- f- finan- uh, financing out there that weren't previously available. Some family offices, money from Asia, mm-hmm. uh, public markets uh, you know, that previously weren't open, Singapore, Australia, you know, things like that. Uh, and that actually does help entrepreneurs uh, uh, and innovators move their companies forward without the need to access traditional venture capital. Uh, but that's harder. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's harder to access that kind of money because it's dispersed. It's all over the world. Used to be to get venture capital. There were you know four locations you went to. You'd kind of hit them all, yep. all 80 of them in the space of two weeks, and you'd know whether your deal was financeable or not. Now you got to go to Shanghai and you got to go to Singapore and you got to talk with family offices all over the world. You have to be ready to put in a lot more shoe leather into the process of finding those pockets of capital. Is it as simple as that shoe level shoe leather just going and finding It's it? relationships, it's shoe leather, it's uh, you know reaching out into non-traditional avenues and it's just, you know, uh, I mean I <laughs> I, I, as I mentioned earlier, I uh, uh, am spending a lot more time in Israel now, mm-hmm. and I've seen Israeli entrepreneurs find pockets of money that I never knew existed. You know, mm-hmm. European venture funds and, uh, you know, family offices in Hong Kong and just all kinds of things that I just never knew ex- even existed. But if you are uh, really pursue hard a network, you can, you can find those pockets of capital. And as someone who's been doing this for had great success, what keeps you coming back? I mean, you could you could just play golf. I just you could do whatever lo- you wanted to I'm, do. I'm a crappy golfer, <laughs> and I'm pretty good at what I do here. So I, I just love doing this. Uh, I, I mean, I love the process of learning about clinical problems and working with physicians and finding investors and working with management teams. And it is just uh, I, I love doing it. It's mm-hmm. it's not even a choice. I mean, at this stage, it's just what I love doing, and it's gotten harder. It's gotten harder to be successful, uh, so that means you just kind of have to adapt and uh, adapt the kinds of deals you get involved with. Uh, my portfolio has evolved over the years. If I look at it now versus uh, 10 or 15 years ago, it's a different kind of a portfolio, more oriented towards later stage deals, less oriented towards early stage deals. But uh, if you have a good team and a good idea, it's still v- very possible to succeed in today's environment, just harder. And how about the next generation, the young women and men? coming into med tech, are they? That's a tough question. I get, you know, uh, as we all do, I think uh, I get requests for uh, networking uh, meetings all the time and giving career advice. And uh, the sad truth is that I'm less enthusiastic uh, to the young crowd about moving into this field now than I was 10 or 15 years ago, um, which is unfortunate, but, you know, I'm not going to uh, I mean, if, if, I, if somebody 30 years old right. wants to get my advice, I'm not going to lie to them and say, hey, you see that mountain over there? Go try climbing that mountain, knowing that it's going to be a lot harder than they appreciate. 
But someone will try to climb that mountain. Somebody's going to try to climb that mountain? <laughs> Always. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Well, that is a wrap. Mike Berman, thank you for sitting down with me recently. We were at the MedTech conference and uh, very happy to have the opportunity to, uh, to meet and to uh, discuss your points of view in MedTech. And uh, great to have you on stage as well. We'll have uh, clips of uh, Mike's panel up there shortly on medtechconference.com. You can also find a video interview, a video version of this interview on medtechconference.com. Just go there and search for Berman. That will pop up. Finally, uh, do me a favor. Let your friends know about the MedTech Talk podcast. Give us a ranking on iTunes. Tell your friends directly. And uh, shoot me an email. I would love to hear from you. My email is tom at healthogy.com. That is spelled with the word health, followed by the letters E-G-Y.com. Healthogy is the producer of the MedTech Talk podcast and the MedTech Conference. Thanks again for joining us on MedTech Talk. Tune in next week for another great tale of innovation. Take care, everybody.